Alrighty, once again, let's uh, go to the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 3. We've looked in great de detail, not exhaustive. We could never exhaust God's Word. When we're speaking about the grace of God and the love that He has for His people, we could never exhaust that, at least not to His people. I never get tired of hearing it, even if it's the same message which they are, they're always about Christ. They're always about what He's done for you and I. They're always about His grace and His love for us. It never gets exhaustive. It never gets tiresome to me, to a sinner who needs it over and over and over again. So we, we looked at verses 1 pretty, pretty extensively. Verse 2 we took a look at last week who is faithful to him that appointed him, speaking of this one that we profess, this Jesus Christ. He's faithful to him that appointed him. And he gives an example of a, a man in the flesh who is a picture of Christ, where he says in verse 2, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. And what I want to do is I want to pick up with 3, 4, 5, and 6 this morning. So read with me if you would considering those first two verses, because that all goes together as one when you take it, uh, the, the Lord's Word together as one in context. For this man, this one, Jesus Christ, who was faithful as Moses was, was counted worthy of more glory, more praise than Moses, insomuch as he who had built the house hath more honor than the house. He was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he had builded the house, hath more honor than the house. All glory belongs to the Savior. Remember, this book of Hebrews is all about something better. Let's go on for just a moment here. For every house is built upon is builded by some man, but he that builds all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast to the if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now remember, this letter is all about something better. A better servant than the angels of God is what we read about in chapter 1. A better sacrifice than the bulls or goats, as we'll read in chapter 9. A better apostle, as we read there in verse 1 of chapter 3. A better, a better high priest. A better one for us to profess. Christ is a saved sinner's all in all, as I said in, our, in my prayer. He's our all in all. He's everything to us. He's everything we need. He's everything... Uh, well, I was about to say desire, but that wouldn't be correct because the flesh is always flaring up with something stupid, isn't it? The flesh is always flaring up with something. Always flaring up. With, that, was some, that was one of the points Kevin made this morning. We don't, we don't ask for what 
oftentimes we ask what we desire, but that's not that's not what's best for us. God knows what's best for you and I, folks. And as one who has loved us from before the world was, He's always going to give us what we need. Amen. That's what the whole message of, uh, of Romans 8, verse 30 is about. He spared not His own Son. How shall He not give us everything? He gives us His Son who is better than all things. He's our all in all. He is to us. For He is God in the flesh, perfect and holy in every way. He's, better, he's a better foundation for the church. The strength of any building is found on its foundation in Christ Jesus and His crucifixion is our foundation. It's the message. Paul says, I wish to know nothing of you save Christ and Him crucified. Why? Because that's the basis for everything. The question is, what think ye of Christ? What think ye of Christ? That's the question for all of us to always ask ourselves. I struggle all the time, folks, with what am I doing here? How can God use a, a, a man like me to do what His people need to do? And that's to worship Him, praise Him. I struggle with that. But that's because I take the eyes off of who it is that's really the one speaking to your hearts. That's my flesh getting in the way of my spirit who knows the truth. Mike Loveless knows very well about the flesh getting in the way of the spirit. Very well. As do many of you as well. He is our foundation. And when Christ is your foundation, when He is that cornerstone to you, when He has made Himself the foundation of your faith, it doesn't get any better than Him. Because Christ is greater than Moses, He's worthy of a greater glory than Moses. Religion magnifies men magnifies things, magnifies their creeds, their works, their history, their rituals. But the book of God magnifies the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3, 3, where it says, where we just read, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he hath builded the house, hath more honor than the house. Our Lord Jesus is considered worthy of much greater honor than Moses because Christ is the builder of his house. That's what it's saying there to you and I. If I go out and build a house, a magnificent cathedral, and everybody looks at it and they say, oh, look at that, such a beautiful building. Who gets all the credit for the building? The building didn't build itself. Christ is the one who builds his church. 
Insomuch as he had builded the house, hath more honor than the house. Our Lord Jesus considered worthy much greater honor than Moses because he's the builder of his church. Moses is just a part of the house, like you and I are. He's just a part of the house. Christ and Moses are not to be compared in any more than the builder of a house is to be regarded in the same level as the house itself. Moses, the law, was but a servant. Christ is the Son, the Lord God, heir to all things. Look over at John chapter 9. Look at verse 28 and 29 with me. Some folks have decided to brag on themselves in verse 28 where he said, Then they reviled him. They insulted the Lord and they said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses as for this fellow we know not from whence he is. That's, I'm sorry, that was the blind man they, they were uh, reviling. We see our Lord, uh, turn over to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Let's look at this one real quick. Verses 45 and 47 of John chapter 5. We cannot compare Moses, but yet the Jews did. They held Moses. Remember, we looked at that last week about putting men on a pedestal. They put Moses on such a high pedestal. They put Abraham on such a high pedestal. We're the children of Abraham. We're the children of Moses. We're the children of David. Over here in verse 45 of John chapter 5, we read these words. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for that he wrote of me. But, ye, but if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? So we see where the Lord Jesus declares himself better than Moses, higher than Moses, even there. He puts Moses where he belongs, as a man. We need to put our ministers where they belong. Esteem them does not mean you put them up on a pedestal and think more of them than they are. Esteem them means that you're thankful for God using them to bring a message to comfort your heart. That's all. That's all. Moses, the law, is no, of no value unless he is put in his proper place as the Lord's servant. In verse 4, we read there in our text in Hebrews chapter 3, For every house is built by some man, but he that buildeth all things is of God. A house does not build itself. Someone conceives the idea, draws up the plans, and erects the building. The planner and the builder of all things is our God. This is a plain declaration of Christ's divinity, of Christ's sovereignty, as there is anywhere else in Scripture. The Holy Spirit here states in the most unmistakable terms that the man Christ Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh. That's who we're talking about there. Because back there, are, who's our profession? It's Jesus Christ. He who is faithful to him that appointed him. For this man, that's the Jesus Christ, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. For he is the builder of all things, it says in verse 4. The reference here is to the building of the church and the kingdom of God and, and the body of believers. Look over at Matthew chapter 16. Look over at Matthew chapter 16. Very familiar words. I quote these words a lot, but I, wanna, I want you to read along with me this time. This time in verse 18. 
Matthew 16, 18. The Lord had been asking the disciples, the apostles, who do the men say that I am? And Peter stepped forth after the Lord asked him directly, who do you say that I am? And he said, thou art the son of the living God. And the Lord answered him, let's start at verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock. Now, the Catholic Church has taken that verse and decided that the, because Peter means rock, that that's who the church is built upon. The very first church of God that was ever put together was the, the Cathedral St. Peter over there at the Vatican. Folks, Peter was just a man, just as you and I are. We're talking about Christ, the Son of God, the Son of the living God, the very one who must be revealed by the Father. This is the rock. Upon this rock, the Lord says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Does that bring peace to your heart? Does that not open your heart up for some peace right there? Christ is building His church. Christ is the one who's calling His people together. We have a small congregation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people the Lord has here in this church. This is His church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Look at another one if you would over 1 Peter chapter 2. Go to the other side of Hebrews. 1 Peter chapter 2, one verse. Speaking of the one who builds the house is the one who is God himself. Here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, ye also are lively stones. That's all we are, folks. Living stones. We were dead stones at one time. Dead in trespasses and sin, yet he who gives life gave life to you and I. We are living stones. Living stones, ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by who? By Jesus Christ, the builder of his house. All of God's elect, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even Moses, all of the prophets, all of the Apostles, all believers are built by and upon Jesus Christ, the head cornerstone. And we receive all their gifts from Him, as it reads over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses, or chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read verses 4 through 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For while, one, for while one saith, I am a Paul, and another, I am a Paulus, are ye not carnal? Is it not the carnal mind that thinks that John Reeves has any authority over, who, over what goes on in this pulpit at all? No. Verse 5, Who then is Paul, and who is it that is Apollos? But ministers... By whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted Apollos' water, but God gave the increase. We're talking about the one who builds the house, being greater than the house itself. 
Verse 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are the laborers, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Could it get any more clear than that? Who it is that builds the church? Who it is that make, does builds the building? Then we read back in our text in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 5. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house and as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Now Moses, the Lord's servant, was faithful in what he was given to do. He served the Lord with fear. He served the Lord with reverence and obedience and all that God had called him to do. Yet his entire life and ministry was a prophecy and a type of Christ itself. And all his writings spoke as a testimony of the Lord Jesus. He wrote of Christ as we read in scriptures. I forget which, where it was. But the Lord said to some Jews, Moses wrote of me. Or no. Yeah, I'm going to get that wrong. I'll, I'll look at some other scripture here. Let's look at, let's look at, he was a great type of a picture of Christ. Look over at Luke chapter 24. We'll look at that real quick. Luke chapter 24. I gotta quit doing that. Trying to trying to remember. I have the weakest memory, I'll tell you. And all I do is err when I do that. God help me not to do that, folks. If I'm gonna quote scripture, I need to go to the scripture and read it for what it is. That's what a minister's supposed to do. Lord help me. Over in Luke chapter 24, look with me at verses 44 and 45. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written of the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. I'll, I'll read it for you, but over in 1 Peter chapter 1, we read these words uh, from uh, verses 9 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 1. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, which of which salvation of the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto them it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you. So we see here that even Moses wrote of God. Back in our text in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, and we'll bring this to a close. But Christ, as soon as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. Now, the Lord Jesus is Jehovah's servant also. But he's not a servant like Moses. Christ is the Son, the Master and the Heir of all things, whose house we are. 
All who trust Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, are living stones built upon a spiritual house in whom Christ dwells by faith and over whom he reigns. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, now these words are not to be misunderstood or understood as a condition of grace. It doesn't mean that grace will come to you if you hold fast. Salvation and uh, it does not mean that salvation will come to you if you hold fast. What they, they do not indicate that the Son of God might, after all, depart from Christ. What, what did I do here? <sighs> what it means is this. Is it means that holding on to the Lord Jesus fast means that He's holding on to you. It's the same thing as love. If he's holding on to you, that's the fastness. It's the same thing as love. We love Christ because he first loved us. If we do something that God is telling us to do, it's because Christ has done it for us already and we're doing it out of love for him. If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm all the way up to the end, it's because God has done a work in us. I want you to look over one more, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. One more, if you would. True believers will continue till the end. False professing stones will fall away throughout the way. Over here in Ephesians chapter 2, we read these words, beginning at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you and I, to you which were far off, and to them that which were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So folks, there's our, there's our builder, there's our cornerstone, there's our peace. Everything wrapped up into one bundle. If God has revealed that to our hearts, how can we not? Doesn't it say over in Romans chapter 30, uh, chapter uh, 8, doesn't it say these words, and we're going to look at these again in the next message, but doesn't it say, let me just turn over and read it. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. How do we know if we hold on till the end? And how do we hold on to the end if we belong to God? Folks, he says, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. Do you believe that? Even if all it is is the size of a mustard seed, that's what God has given you, and what God gives us is perfect in every way. 